This is Dr. Kate Eckert with the Form, Function, and Flow Lab podcast. I'm a chiropractor, yoga instructor, anatomy junkie, and movement educator. And I am looking forward to exposing you to all sorts of ways that you can prehab your body to avoid injury and maintain those hobbies, activities, sports that you love to do. And we'll also be focusing a lot on the pregnant and postpartum journey and making sure that you can return to those activities that you love or even keep doing them while you're pregnant. Hi, this is Dr. Kate and I am here with Bethany Contaxis and she is a nutritionist, has her master's in nutrition and she is getting into that field and working out of virtual in the virtual space so she's accessible to a wide range of people but also in person at my office as well so i'll let her introduce herself hi it's so good to be here with you kate um so i got into nutrition a couple years ago actually um i'd always had a passion for it and i was as a teenager always buying health and fitness magazines and into all of that stuff. Um, But then when I was looking into colleges, I kind of felt that the RD was the only pathway for nutrition. And it wasn't, I just kind of always thought that they worked in hospitals and nursing homes and schools. And that's not true. But at the time, that's what I thought. And that wasn't exactly the pathway that I wanted to go. So I actually went into dental hygiene and practiced for 10 years and then decided that maybe I should revisit this interest of mine. And I found a program that was a little bit more integrative and took a whole body approach and aligned more so with what I valued. Nice. That's so funny that you mentioned the health and fitness magazines. I used to have every oxygen (laughs) and all those different ones in I also have loved uh, nutrition. That was like one of my favorite electives in school. And actually she didn't mention this, but we did go to the same grad school. So my chiropractic grad school also has the master's in nutrition. So very randomly, we went to the same school for about for different things and they don't have very many majors. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But um. Yeah, I I definitely like that. Now, how long did it take you to complete that program? It's about a two-year program. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Nice. And so how it works for nutritionists, I think you had said in before that um you have to work under an, an uh, like a is it a licensing system or Yeah. So if you want to be licensed, so different states for nutrition have different regulations. Um, So if you want to be licensed, then you have to complete a thousand hour supervision program. So you're overseen for those thousand hours of working with clients Mm -hmm. and then you take a board exam and then apply for licensure. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's through the state, just Mm -hmm. like, okay, nice. Because I know like the state licenses in the years that I've been in practice, they started licensing massage therapists too. And that's like a huge change and lots of regulations with that and stuff. But yeah. Um, so uh, 
tell us a little bit about how getting involved with patients has been or clients or what I'm not sure what you call them, but yeah. It's been very interesting and it's been, you know, I learn a lot from working with my clients. Um, So I've seen people that have, you know, hormonal dysregulation, PCOS. Um, I've seen people with rheumatoid arthritis, osteoporosis, um, high cholesterol. You know, I've seen a lot of things um, at this point, so... Nice, nice. And I do a lot with the the women's health end of things. And I know that you've been working with some of my clients that have struggle with some of those issues. And I think people think nutritionist or dietitian, and they think just getting a meal plan that would be kind of good for whoever. How does that differ when you're trying to regulate hormones and that kind of stuff? Yeah. So a lot of people do think that they actually just want a meal plan. Like, can you just give me a meal plan? (laughs) But it's not really teaching them how to put together a meal. And at some point, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to always keep getting meal plans or they're going to get tired of following something so structured, or they're not going to have time to get the groceries they needed for that meal plan. And so then it's going to kind of feel like, they're just going to choose whatever. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd rather help them learn how their body is reacting to the foods they're eating. And, you know, everybody's tolerance for carbohydrates, for example, is a little bit different. Some people need more, some people do better on less. So I try to help them tune into their bodies and see how things are affecting them and help them learn how to put together a balanced meal and, you know, Mm -hmm. how that feels when their blood sugar is more regulated or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And that's an interesting with the blood sugar, because one of my patients that's working with you has been wearing the, the, I don't know, what do you call it? A continuous uh, continuous glucose monitor. And she's really enjoyed it and thought it given, it's given her a lot of insight and and um, surprised her, she said, with either how it doesn't spike or it does with certain foods that she would have guessed it went either way. Yeah, it can be a really useful tool for people, um, especially if they're more, they want to see the data firsthand, you know, because I can tell somebody like, oh, you felt this way probably because your blood sugar spiked and crashed but to actually be able to see it in real time is helpful for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so many times we get like our blood work done and somebody will get, you know, their fasting glucose tested or an A1C, which over, you know, is an average over the past couple months, but like a fasting glucose just tells us at that one moment in time, what their blood sugar was like, we're not seeing what it's doing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And even if their A1C is at a good level, is that, you know, they could have still had high spikes and low crashes and, or, and it kind of evened out and the average was okay. Um, So we're not seeing like on a day-to-day basis, what it's doing and, you know, how that may be playing into some of the symptoms that they're having. Okay. Nice. And 
how often do you, or what are the effects when somebody has a real problem? Like they only eat carbohydrates at a certain point and then they have the spike and crash. Yeah. So if people are having like energy crashes midday, or they really need that caffeine to get going mm -hmm. or their sleep is disrupted, um, you know, things like that, we can kind of think maybe their blood sugar is a little bit off. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I do like a dietary assessment and I can kind of see like, are you getting enough protein to kind of balance out these carbs or, you mm -hmm. know, enough fat and fiber and everything that's an importance. Um, so we can kind of go off of that as well. Mm -hmm. Now, what, when I treat people, I, I feel like a lot of times the stumbling block is like an extreme amount of inflammation. And just in general, you know, I know that having a ton of sugar, even for myself, that's like one of my triggers. If I have eaten a lot of sugar, I'm sure I'm going to get arthritis in my hands from the work I do and that they'll be sore. And they're not usually in the morning when I wake up. So like, I know for me that that's gonna like prevent me if I had an injury from rehabbing as quickly. And um, I'm sure everybody is more or less tolerant to different things. Um, do you try to help them pick out the things that might be, you know, let's say they're not celiac, but they do have a gluten sensitivity or sensitivity to eggs, that kind of thing. Yeah. So a lot of times I'll have people do what I call like a food mood journal. So they'll track their food, but then they also try to track as many symptoms as they can for me. So, um, you know, if they're feeling, you know, pain in the morning or throughout the day, or if they, you know, are excessively tired and they can track their sleep as well and their bowel movements and, all of that to try to, um, you know, see if any certain food that's showing up a lot may be contributing to some of their symptoms. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. The, with like the sleep that, that you mentioned, we actually just interviewed a girl that is a therapist, but does a specialty in, um, doing sleep training. And that's very, interesting to me because a lot of my patients don't sleep well mm -hmm. um whether and it's not always because they have pain because usually they come to me because they're in pain and you know that might cause them to not sleep but they'll just be like no I don't I just I'm not a good sleeper and that's when we heal so that's like very problematic <laughs> to get results so the food aspect is also interesting I don't know if you think it's more like timing of when you eat or just um how your body. Yeah. yeah, it can be different for everybody, but I do think that sleep is like one huge thing for people and people don't prioritize it enough. And like mm -hmm. you said, our body goes through a lot of processes when we sleep. So it is so important. So I usually say if we can get people sleeping well, having regular bowel movements and getting their blood sugar regulated throughout the day, that's a pretty good foundation to build on. And then we can dig in a little bit more if things are still not feeling quite right. Yeah. About this is, it's surprising how much all of that ties in with like the women's health pelvic floor. I mean, everyone has a pelvic floor, so men have it too, but with the bowel movements, 
you know, with pelvic floor issues, whether it be anxiety and stress and your pelvic floor shortens, then you have constipation and those kind of things. But a lot of times when people come in for that kind of issue, they do have terrible bowel movement issues. And mm -hmm. um, so that's, it's all those pieces kind of have to fit together. And it's something I think that is missing in mainstream medicine because your OBGYN is probably not going to talk to you so much about your bowel movements, perhaps, but, or, you know, it, it should all be connected better, probably, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And people don't always realize that, you know, if it's been like that for their whole life, that they've only went once a week or twice a week, they don't always realize that that's not normal and that that does need to be looked at so yeah well and the definitely with like you said they don't know that it's not normal because nobody wants to talk about pooping <laughs> or and even like not even the um frequency but what does it look like and they'll be like oh my gosh I've asked that question and I have like the Bristol stool chart <laughs> they're like what I don't look at it and I was like well you should it tells yeah. you stuff <laughs> yes, definitely. Yes. I will frequently pull up the Bristol stool chart for people and have them identify which one if they can. <laughs> um, for, for the listeners, the Bristol stool chart is a like, um, basically it has different pictures of and descriptions of what your stool looks like. And then it tells you, it gives you a general idea of what might be going on, depending on what. And if you've always pooped that way, you would think, oh, isn't everybody like this? You just don't know what is the normal because nobody wants to talk about it. I don't think a PCP has ever asked me about it. No, and I had somebody <clears throat> not too long ago that's going, having like five to six bowel movements a day that are very runny. And I'm like, have you ever talked this over with your doctor? And she's like, no, I never thought to. <laughs> I'm like, well, we might need to investigate this. Yes, definitely. It, it's, a. Uh, I think just the way we're brought up makes us avoid those kind of things. And like, it's important for your nutritionist because that's gonna, you know, your food is obviously a directly affecting your stool and um, how you absorb nutrients and, you know, all sorts of sorts of things. For sure. So I bet people are surprised when you bust out the stool chart at the Yes, they don't know that anything like that exists. <laughs> my my patients are usually like, you ask way too many questions. <laughs> yeah. But very interesting. So the another uh, thing that I've heard through the grapevine for people that work with you is that you don't specifically order blood work you know, where you write the script out for it, but you'll ask people to ask their PCP or their general doctor to order it for them. And everyone that I've talked to said their, their PCP is more than happy to order the blood work. It's just that whether or not insurance will pay for it is the only stumbling block. But blood work is not super pricey. Um, what kind of blood work do you usually recommend for people? Yeah. So every doctor's different and some are very receptive to it and others aren't. Um, but it doesn't hurt, 
you know, I can usually fax them a list of what I would like to see and try to, you know, sometimes they'll pick some of them off of that list and go from there. Mm -hmm. Um, but if somebody hasn't had blood work in a long time, I think it's just good to get like a CBC and a CMP, um, that can, and that gives us some insight into like iron too, what their iron would be like, um, and glucose, their liver enzymes, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and we can kind of, you know, I can kind of look at it and see some can show, we can infer that there may be a nutrient imbalance that's leading to those markers. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, if we suspect something thyroid going on, um, most doctors will only run like a TSH and a T4 sometimes. <laughs> um, so I try to get them to run like a full thyroid panel. So we would see um, T3 as well and free T3, free T4. Mm-hmm. Um, reverse T3 if we can, because if there's a lot of stress or inflammation going on, then we can see that instead of going into T3, which would be what our cells would want, it would be getting pushed into reverse T3. Um, and then like anti-thyroid antibodies to make sure there's no autoimmune component there. Mm-hmm. And then just like, you know, like I think a lipid panel every so often is helpful. An A1C is helpful. Um, and if they're struggling with energy, things like that, um, you know, I think about B12 and their iron levels. Um, so like a full iron panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, the thyroid one, I, I have a lot of patients that get the, that bare minimum mm-hmm. check and then they kind of get written off like it's fine. It's in the regular thing, even though you feel like garbage. So sorry for your luck. Basically is how it works. Yeah. Um, so even just the knowledge of asking for more, more testing, if it comes back the first time um, as normal, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even if they're like, uh, I don't want to, I don't skeptical about it if you say you want it then they'll usually do it just to to not have to talk about it anymore (laughs) yeah (laughs) um but yeah and I I for myself when I had part of my thyroid had to be removed and um I pushed for for more testing before I knew that there was something else going on because and I don't know if they just think I'm the crazy lady, but they weren't too, too bad about it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> but um, now that I'm waiting for my levels to kind of even out and stuff, and I do feel better, um, I hadn't thought about getting like the Dutch testing. And for people listening, that's like a different type of testing that you don't necessarily get from your PCP or anything. Um, do you recommend any of those kind of testing for people that need a little bit more info? Yeah, I do really like the Dutch test. So that stands for dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. Um, so it's a very comprehensive test, um, but it lets us see a lot of different things at one time. Um, so it lets us see your cortisol levels throughout the day. 
which is helpful. Um, sometimes doctors will run like uh, cortisol in the morning, but you're only seeing that one cortisol level and our cortisol has like a curve throughout the day. So we don't want to just see one. We want to see what is it doing throughout the day. Mm -hmm. um, so it should rise in the morning and that gives you your get up and go. And then it slowly decreases its lowest at night when we go to sleep, when our melatonin is high. Um, so if people are having sleep issues, you know, there might be, it might be elevated at night when it should be low. If they're having, you know, problems getting up in the morning. It can be that it's too low. Um, so we like to see the whole rhythm to it with not just one point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, so it lets us see that, um, it lets us see like our estrogens, the three main estrogens and how they're metabolized in the body. So blood work, you can check your estrogen, but you don't see what pathway it's going down. So that is one helpful thing for the Dutch is that you get to see that because some pathways have more risks associated with them and, you know, some are more protective. Mm -hmm. So we get to see that. And then we get to see like testosterone, DHEA, um, progesterone, melatonin, um, different markers for a couple nutrients as well. So I let us see a lot at one time. I have a lot of patients that struggle with um, either postpartum issues or PMDD. A lot of patients that are struggling to get pregnant that have PCOS, endometriosis, those kind of things that are hormone driven. And I feel like there is not a ton of testing done for hormones. There doesn't seem to be a specialty out there that focuses in on on hormones um once you do the dutch test and you find that there are some issues how do you focus in on using diet to address some of those issues yeah there's different there sometimes we go a supplement route so sometimes there's supplements that can be helpful especially you know if your estrogen is if you're estrogen dominant. So estrogen dominance, you can have excessive estrogen or it can be relative to your progesterone. So your estrogen level could be okay, but your progesterone could be very low. So it's making it seem like you're estrogen dominant. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, oh, so cruciferous vegetables are great for things like that, if that's an issue. Um, fiber, we, we kind of dig into what actually showed up on the test and mm -hmm. what we can do in that realm. So you deal not just with the nutritional aspect, but also advising in some supplementation too. Yeah. Yeah. It can be very helpful for, for some people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That sounds pretty good. I worked in an office when I was first out of college that, um, did a lot of supplements and I, I think supplementation, when you like really narrow it down to like what it really might affect it is good, but sometimes people get crazy with the supplements and we would sell, not me because I'm not a very good salesman, but the other people in the office would sell 
copious amounts of supplements and I'd be walk they'd be walking in and I'm thinking oh my gosh it's like taking a squirt gun to a fire forest fire if you're not going to change your diet then those supplements aren't going to be very effective yeah yeah yes so I do think it's important to to make sure that they're not just taking a supplement to deal with everything like they need to do diet and lifestyle changes in conjunction mm -hmm. with that yeah nice but yeah people will come in with huge lists of supplements that they're taking and I'm like well why are you taking this it's like let's go through each one mm -hmm. and yeah and especially with um herbal stuff I know much less about herbal stuff than like just vitamins and minerals and um they can be very strong and medicinal I mean that is that's no joke and I think sometimes people need a guidance like someone like you or somebody else that focuses on that so that they're not having a negative interaction with a, maybe one of their prescription meds or um, another vitamin that they're needing. Yeah. Yeah. That is very, I go through everybody's medications and see, um, you know, what may be depleted by their medication and what can interact with it, even nutrient wise and herb wise. Mm -hmm. Um, so that we make sure that we're never, <laughs> never mm -hmm. getting into anything like that. It would yeah. be. That's interesting about that. I didn't even think about the medications with that might be the cause of one of your nutrient depletions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like metformin is big for B12 depleting B12, like statins mm -hmm. are big for depleting CoQ10. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, not always. So, you know, that's where testing is helpful to see, like, is it having this effect in your body, but it is something to like, think about too. Yeah. So the general gist is that it's what you do with patients is much more involved than you need to eat lean protein, vegetables, and a health, healthy carbohydrate at each meal. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. We do try to get to get into, you know, the nitty gritty with, with their body and, and what is going on. Mm -hmm. Nice. Awesome. And what do you hope to, I know lots of nutritionists tend to eventually niche down to something that they want to focus on. What is your hope as you go on here to focus in on? So I really like working with women who are struggling with hormone issues. Um, many of the ones that I talk to, they aren't getting the support that they need around that. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's important. Um, or if they're having issues with their cycle, their doctor gives them the pill and they think that everything is regulated then because, you know, they're bleeding every month, but they don't mm -hmm. realize that, or some don't realize that it's not an actual period, you know, it's like more, we call it a withdrawal bleed. Mm -hmm. um, so then if they go off the pill to try to become pregnant, like everything's back to where it was before they went on the pill. Mm -hmm. and it hasn't always been, you know, talked about in that way with them. So, um, so I think some education, you know, not that the pill is horrible, but you know, they need, I think it needs to be, there's some education around that. Um, and I think, you know, for those struggling with infertility, there needs to be some more support for them as well, because most of the time they're told 
you know, try for a year and then you go to IUI or IVF. So mm-hmm. and that, that can be hard on people, you know, mentally, physically, financially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think like having some more support for those, mm-hmm. those that people would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. It's a, definitely an underserved area. And I, to what you said with the birth control, birth control really is all out there a lot. So many of my patients are on it from a very young age, like teen years to thirties when possibly when they want to have kids, that is a long time period. And my sister is, she just made the switch as a physician assistant from hospitalist to OBGYN about a year ago. And she really tries to make people aware of some of the side effects of birth control, like um, the clot, the clotting. I feel like that's totally like, yep, yep, yeah, yep. I mean, those, that insert that you read, you really should take into account because that you're putting that into your body for possibly 20 years before you stop. That's a long time. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just people think that they're, they're regulated then, but you're not having a period because you're not ovulating. So they went all these years without ovulating, you know? And so I just don't think they're, they don't always understand, you know, women don't understand their cycle (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because we're not always taught all about our cycle in, in school and whatnot. So sometimes they don't know what is actually all going on or what should be going on. So, yeah, I actually did a, um, a podcast episode on like female anatomy, because even that, like our very own anatomy that is attached to us, Mm-hmm. People don't know what the parts are named. They don't know what the actual different parts do. It, it's like a total misconception. Yeah. And it affects things like fertility and cycles and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to hearing more from you as you do your your journey into um, getting your thousand hours in and working with patients and um, I'm going to put, uh, Bethany's website below and her bio. If you want to reach out to her, she does have that option to work virtually, which is really convenient. And then also in person, if you like that in person, um, experience too. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. I look forward to working with you guys. And if you have any topics that you'd like discussed, make sure to comment below and let me know because I'd be happy to share all the knowledge that I have on those issues.